Hey listeners, thanks for dropping in. I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. case it's been a rocky road so far but we're gonna skip the recap and just gonna jump right into where we left off all right let's do it so inside the lanza home on the morning of december 14 2012 adam approaches his mother while she is still in bed in her pajamas and shoots her four times in the head at close <gasps> range whoa what yeah okay i was not ready for that that actually made me chuckle when you said that <laughs> did you what? need more lead in Holy cow. Yeah, but I still wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yep. Oh, no. So she's actually the first victim. The one person who's been trying to help him. Adam. So he shoots her four times in the head with a twenty-two caliber rifle. And it's assumed that she was actually still asleep at the time because there's no signs of a struggle. That's a little tender mercy there, I guess. Yeah. But A neighbor would later report that they thought they'd heard two to three gunshots around 9 a.m., but they'd assumed that it was just a hunter in the area. Oh. Okay. So are you ready? It gets way worse. Uh, Can you do it? If we must. Okay. So I'm going to explain kind of how Adam went through the school, and then I'll explain all of the victims. So shortly before 930, Adam pulls his mother's car in front of the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown. Sandy Hook Elementary School was a one-story brick building of 66,000 square feet, built in 1954. It was rectangular in shape, with four hallways in the main building and portable classrooms attached to the rear or on the south side, which were accessible by the south side of the main entrance. Okay. So classrooms on the exterior walls had even numbers, and interior rooms had odd numbers. And at the time, the school population was 456 students from kindergarten through grade four. Oh, yeah. These are all four. little, little ones. Little, little ones. I don't know if I'm ready for this. It is pretty rough. This case took me a while to actually research because I could only do it for certain lengths of time. Oh, I believe it. And then I'd have to put it down and do something completely different. Oh, I totally believe it. So Adam was 20 years old at the time. He was... 72 inches tall and weighed 112 pounds. He's just a little thing. Wearing a pale green pocket vest over a black polo style short sleeve shirt over a black t-shirt, black cargo pants, black socks, black sneakers, and a black canvas belt, black fingerless gloves on each hand, and yellow colored earplugs in each ear. Gotta watch out for your safety, right? You don't want to oh. wreck your hearing. That just shows how much he's planning to do uh -huh. if you're putting earplugs in. Yeah. He had an empty camouflage drop holster that was affixed to his right thigh, and he was carrying three guns with him. Are you ready for these guns? All right. A Bushmaster XM-15 E2S rifle, which is actually a semi-automatic rifle. It's like the AR-15 style rifles that they use in the military. So it's like the, the oh civilian gosh. version of that. It is like your heavy duty, like massive gun. Like um, an AK-47, like that kind of a thing? Yeah, I don't even know what that looks like. Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. It's, I went to a shooting range and I got to actually shoot an AK-47 and it's a big, like, It has massive. like the big, like military, like yeah. clip in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's huge. Everybody that is a gun enthusiast will be laughing at us discussing these yeah, guns. Yeah, I have no idea. We have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> he was carrying a Glock 20 SF. So that's typically used in your law enforcement and security. And interestingly, the SF at the end means that it had a reduced trigger reach for small hands. 
Oh, so he was like, he was a tiny guy. And so he was actually using like a specialized gun for it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I thought that was really weird. I think I shot a gun like that too. It was a police one that I shot. And then he had a nine millimeter SIG PSS six, a gun used by the Canadian special forces. Huh? So these were all guns from his mom's collection wow. because she collected those rare all these assault guns. Yeah. They're guns that, yeah. Are going to do some damage. That's right. Uh, we're talking about guns so much because I actually just don't want to talk about the rest of it. Yeah, we're procrastinating. Okay. Sometime shortly before 9.30 a.m., Adam entered Sandy Hook Elementary by shooting out the glass at the front door with the Bushmaster. The front doors had been locked at 9.30 because of the school security procedures. So they were trying to keep people out. They lock it, and then you had to buzz in and have somebody actually let you in right which is common in a lot of schools it is yeah with him he carried 10 magazines with 30 rounds each principal don hawksprung was in conference room nine which was kitty corner to the front entrance of the school with school psychologist mary sherlock and a teacher natalie hammond in a faculty meeting when they heard the commotion at the front door the principal went to investigate followed by mary and natalie she encountered adam at the hall outside the main office and yelled shooter stay put putting herself in front of the others oh my goodness Adam opened fire and killed the principal and the psychologist on site. The teacher, oh. who was the last to come out of the conference room, was hit with two bullets but was not killed. How horrific right from the start. Yeah, there's no warm-up. There's no warning. He just comes in. He's gone full guns blazing. When Adam proceeds into the school office looking for his next victims, Natalie laid as still as possible to avoid Adam's attention and then crawled back into the conference room, leaning against the door to keep it closed. Oh. Sometime during the initial shots, the school intercom was turned on broadcasting the rest of adam's rampage into every single <gasps> classroom that was like by accident yeah oh my goodness it did give teachers a warning that there was That's an active shooter in the school but it also broadcast the horror to every person in the building years later children would still be traumatized by hearing the sound of an overhead speaker coming on oh i cannot even imagine have to sit there and listen to everything it would have been awful adam entered the office but he did not see the school nurse hiding underneath the desk from underneath the desk she watched the door open and adam's feet approach her desk he paused for a brief moment and then exited the office this is like a horror movie when he left she and the school secretary called 911 they weren't the only ones that were trying to desperately reach out for help at 9 35 39 the first 911 call was received, and it was followed by multiple others. Staff from all over the school were calling in. So many that it was actually overwhelming the dispatchers at the 911 center. Oh, my goodness. In the 911 oh. calls that were released to the public, you can hear frantic callers, and in the background, multiple shots being fired around them. Oh. One dispatcher is even told to hang up on someone so that efforts can be more focused on getting information out as quickly as possible to the responding police officers. Isn't that crazy? That is so crazy. I'm at a loss for words already. There were two children in the hallway when the shooting started. They were bringing down the morning classroom <gasps> attendance. Ah, uh, and the kids are always like so happy and excited yeah, to get they're... picked to do that. Like that's a special treat to get to do that. I that's remember right. even from when I was in school. Yeah. They narrowly escape Adam's notice when another teacher pulls them into her room. Oh, thank heavens. Another teacher that was in the hallway at the time that Adam had started shooting was hit by a ricochet bullet, even though she was at the far end of the hallway, way, way down from the office. So even people like far away from where he was were still being hit because he was shooting so many bullets. 
Oh yeah, just flying everywhere. Yeah. Now, there's some discrepancy about where Adam went next after the office, but it's generally believed that he tried to enter room 12, the first classroom on the left side of the east hallway, across from the office. This was a first grade classroom, and in it, teacher Caitlin Roige, 29 years old, and 14 students were hiding in the classroom's bathroom with the door barricaded. It is believed that Lanza bypassed her classroom because there was a small piece of construction paper that had been left to cover the window in the door following a lockdown drill weeks earlier. The black piece of paper had been forgotten, and it was still in the window when Adam walked by, and it's thought that he assumed the classroom was empty. Oh, so that saved them. That saved them. The teacher would later report that she had stuffed the kids into the bathroom like sardines, even placing one child on top of the paper towel dispenser to fit them all in. Oh, I, Kate, this is my turn. I have got actual goosebumps, even on my legs right now. She told her students that there were bad guys and that they had to be really, really quiet until the good guys came. She told them that she loved them and that their parents loved them. No. I can't even. So Adam continued east down the hallway to the next classroom, classroom number 10. Lauren Russo, a substitute teacher, and Rachel Devano, a behavioral therapist who had been employed for only a week at the school to work with a special needs student, had gathered the 16 students in their bathroom when Adam pushed his way into the door. That must have been their protocol to go into the bathroom. Yeah, they actually had a lockdown protocol in the school, but they hadn't fully um, closed the door when he had come in. Out of this classroom of 16, 15 students in Russo's class would be killed along with both adults who worked in that room. So one survivor. Mm -hmm. 14 of the children were dead at the scene, and one injured child was taken to hospital for treatment, but was later declared dead. The detective would later describe the scene by saying, the teacher had them huddled up like a mother hen. So the sole survivor in this classroom was a six-year-old girl. She was found amongst the dead bodies covered in blood. She had survived by playing dead. When reunited with her mother, she would tell her about the very angry man and that all of her friends were dead. Isn't that awful? I can't even imagine with that little girl going forward. No. You know, the trauma that that put her through. Adam next went into room eight, Victoria Soto's grade one classroom. There are conflicting reports from different eyewitnesses about what went on in this room. But the most reported version is the one I'll, I'll let you know about. But I think it, it makes sense that there's conflicting reports because these are six and seven-year-olds. That are your eyewitnesses. Adults get it wrong sometimes. Yeah. So this is what um, most reports go by. Miss Soto and Anne-Marie Murphy, the special education teacher who worked with a special needs student in this classroom, had hidden students in multiple places in the classroom, under desks, in closets, and in the bathroom. The teacher was then rushing back to lock the door when Adam burst into the room. She tried to convince Adam that the students were in the auditorium, but a fearful child came running out of hiding and the gunfire started. No. Yeah. Murphy was found dead on top of her special needs student trying to shield him. And was that student killed as well? He was. For a brief moment during the chaos in the classroom, the gunfire stopped, either because Adam had to reload his weapon or he experienced a gun jam. But there was this brief moment of time that the gunfire stopped. And it was during this time, it was believed that one of the children, Jesse Lewis, yelled for the students to run. As a result of his actions, he came face to face with Adam and was fatally shot. Oh. Several of the students that Jesse had screamed to did escape with their lives. In total, nine students ran from the classroom and two more were found by police in the bathroom. These children would be reunited with their families. Heartbreakingly, five from this classroom never would. 
So then little Jesse, though, kind of saved those other kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Throughout the school, teachers and staff were hiding children, trying to keep them calm. One library staff hid 18 students in a storage room. After finding the door that was actually designated for the lockdown area mm-hmm. in their procedure, wouldn't actually lock to protect them. <gasps> so she had to scramble at the last minute to find a new area. Oh, no. Wouldn't that be awful? I can't even imagine the panic. Because like you no. said, like I keep thinking about how the intercom was on. Yeah. And they, they were, were hearing, hearing it all. The, all of this happen. Yeah. Numerous reports say that they heard Adam yelling out during the shooting saying, look at me, look at them. One child reported that while she was hiding, she heard Adam tell a student that was crying about wanting to go home, say, well, you're here now, followed by what she described as hammering sounds. Yeah. Hammering sounds. It was the rapid fire of the gun. The custodian of the school during the attack was heroically trying to secure as many doors as possible from the outside, all the while giving as much information as he could to the 911 dispatchers and avoiding the shooter himself. So his 911 call is so shocking. How terrifying. But you can hear him going around checking doors. At one point, you hear him say, put the gun down. So he comes face to face with Adam. I don't know if it was face-to-face because it sounds like he was in a different hallway. Okay. But, yeah, it's just horrifying. I cannot even imagine that feeling. No. Some of the survivors would say that, like, they heard him checking their doors, and they were convinced that it was, like, Adam trying to get into their doors. But yeah, he was I checking totally to make sure that. that they were locked. Bullets pierced classroom windows and hit at least three cars in the parking lot. Wow. Yeah. But nobody was hit that were outside the school? No, nobody outside the school. But there was one mother who was at the school returning a library book. She told the part writing account, and I can't even imagine what it would be like to be this mom later on. When she heard the shooting in the parking lot, her survival instinct took over and she ran for cover. And it wasn't until minutes later when she was actually in hiding that her brain registered that it was her child in the school that would still be facing gunfire. Uh, no. She talks about how she made a decision to stay hidden or to go after her child i can't even imagine tragically her child didn't make it out oh no yeah and now she struggles to live with that decision to stay hidden totally not her fault no i think she did the right thing yeah but that would stay with you and haunt you forever i don't know how you would recover from that yeah the first police officer to arrive on the scene was at 9 39 followed by two more just 13 seconds later. So it's like four minutes? Yeah, four minutes. And I was just thinking, too, when you were talking about that mother, like, there's so many more victims from this. It's not just the ones that passed away. Yeah. The whole community, like, just the mourning that would take place after this. It was incredible. And the support that was later given to these victims, because it was so massive for this community, was incredible. But the trauma that they experienced was so huge. We will talk about that a little bit later on, but again, yeah, I don't know how you actually cope with that. Mm-mm. The last gunshot heard was recorded at 9.40.03. When the police arrived on scene on December 14th, it took approximately five minutes to secure the area. They were present when the last shot was fired, and it is believed that Adam was aware of their presence in the building. When they entered the school, they found Adam in classroom 10, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Adam had shot himself with his mother's Glock 20 SF. Close to his body, they found the Bushmaster that he had used during the shooting and a 9mm that had not been fired. In the car that Adam drove to the school, police found another shotgun. You know, I think he probably was thinking right from the start that that's what he would do, that he would end his own life as well. Oh, I think so. You know, even down to his video game, you got bonus points for that. Yeah, it was one more way to 
get another tally, right? Police would also find a plethora of ammunition and learn that Adam had reloaded so frequently that sometimes he had only used half the rounds in his magazine. He was just frantic. Yeah. In less than five minutes, Adam had fired 156 shots, 154 from the rifle and two from the handgun. Oh, yeah, in less than five minutes. Oh. And that's all it took five minutes to kill 26 people at the school. That's crazy. Ugh. When 911 calls had started to pour in, the Newtown Hospital called in extra staff in anticipation of receiving multiple victims. Only three ever made it to the hospital. Isn't that crazy? And that two is. succumbed to their injuries. It's only one that was injured actually survived. Mm -hmm. Well, there was another teacher that was injured, but... I guess she never went to the hospital, but yeah, oh, okay. three people were taken to the hospital and only one lived. It would actually be the coroner's office that would require the extra manpower. Oh. A portable morgue was set up and family members identified their loved ones through photographs because of the extent of the damage done by Adam's gun. Most victims had been shot over five times and one victim in particular, Noah Posner, was shot 11 times. No. Like why? And just, well, either he's totally oblivious to what he's doing or he just has so much rage. Like, I don't know. Like, he's how do you describe rampage. that? It's yeah. a total rampage. There are no words. No. Once evidence had been collected, Newtown police personnel would actually work with the coroner's office to ensure that each victim's family had individualized attention to identify their loved one with a photograph. And then they had opportunities to ask questions and then collect personal items from the school afterwards. Wow. Okay. So now I'm going to go over the names of the victims that died at the school. So Charlotte Bacon was six. She practiced Taekwondo and was an avid animal lover. Daniel Barden was seven and he loved to ride the waves at the beach and make s'mores around bonfires with his cousins rachel Devino, so she was one of the teachers her boyfriend had asked her parents permission to marry her just days before the shooting oh isn't that awful olivia ingle was six she was an outgoing girl with a great sense of humor josephine gay was seven she celebrated her birthday just three days before she was killed madeline shu was six and she loved running and dancing Dawn Hawksrung, she was the principal at the school. Uh, she was described as always enthusiastic, always smiling, and always game to do anything. Dylan Hockley, so he was six, and he loved to play tag with his neighbors at the bus stop. Oh, you can just picture them. Yeah. Catherine Hubbard was six. She was a little girl with bright red hair and will always be remembered for her smile and love of animals. Chase Kowalski was seven, and what Chase really wanted for that Christmas was his two front teeth. Oh, isn't no. that? Oh, yeah. Jesse Lewis, so this is the little boy that um, yelled run to the other students. He was six, and he is described as just a happy little boy who was supposed to be making gingerbread houses that day. Oh, and a little hero. Mm hmm. Anna Marquez Green, she was six, and she had just moved with her family to Sandy Hook just a few months before the shooting. She was described as beautiful and vibrant, the girl in pigtails. James Mattioli was six, and he was quick to remind everyone that he was six and three quarters. He loved the outdoors and to dive off diving boards, swimming like a fish. Grace Audrey McDonnell, she was seven, and her family called her the love and light of our family. Anna Marie Murphy was 52, and she was actually the one that laid over Dylan Hockley. Aww. She was a good daughter, a good mother, and a good wife. Emily Parker was six. She was the oldest of three sisters, and right before she died, she had been teaching her younger sister how to read. 
Jack Pinto was six, and his interests ran the gamut. He loved baseball, basketball, wrestling, and snow skiing. Noah Posner was six, and he had a twin sister. They had celebrated their birthday just on November 20th. A rambunctious boy with lots of spirit. Caroline Previtti was six. What her family said about her was that we were not lucky. We were blessed to have her. Jessica Ricos was six. And before she got on the school bus that morning, she was super excited to sell her Girl Scout cookies. Mm-hmm. Aviel Richmond, she was six. Aviel was happiest when she was on her horse. Lauren Russo was 30. And she had wanted to be a teacher from the time she went to kindergarten herself. Mary Sherlock um, was 56, and she was one year away from retirement. Isn't that awful? One that year after retirement, or one year from one retirement. Year it's all awful. Victoria Soto was 27. Soto had wanted to be a teacher since she was three. After she died, her black lab, Roxy, spent Saturday wandering around her apartment looking for her. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. Benjamin Wheeler was six. He loved the Beatles, Lighthouses, and the number seven train to Sunnyside. Alison Wyatt was six, and she wanted to be an artist, and rows of her pictures filled her house. I appreciate that you mentioned a little bit about each of the the victims from the school, because it's not then glossed over. But at the same time, we kept it short so that we weren't crying through the whole thing. Yeah, we've, I, I've lost count how many times we've teared up doing this one. You know, they're real yeah. little people. They were absolutely real people. Conspiracy yeah. theorists. Dirtbags who think it's not true. Okay. The last victim, Nancy Lanza, Adam's mother. She was 52 when he shot her. In most reports, her death isn't even included among the total victims. And this is usually attributed to people feeling that she was actually responsible for what her son did. That's crazy. Early media reports of Nancy were not favorable. But this is probably because the media needed to just find somebody to blame. Right. right? But how frustrating. She's described as an overprotective doomsday prepper that had worked her fragile son into the state of murder and rampage against society. That she was a mom that sheltered her son and allowed him no chance to learn to face the stress or as an absentee mom who was globetrotting with friends and stayed out late at bars instead of taking care of her son. So they just wanted someone to villainize, it sounds like. Later, close family and friends would reveal that Nancy had worked as a stockbroker, but she chose to be a stay-at-home mom. Okay. In emails to Adam as a teenager, she tells him that while she regrets not finishing her last year of college education, that if her sons are happy and productive, then she feels the sacrifice is completely justified and duly rewarded. Hindsight looking back on I that. Know. Hey? And then he shot her in the face, right? Yeah. And it sounds like to me, like as you've described everything, that Nancy sacrificed a lot. Absolutely. You know, this was probably just consuming Mm -hmm. her whole world, trying to figure out how to help Adam. Yeah. And while a lot of media reports say that she was like this crazed gun enthusiast, that wasn't the only thing that she enjoyed doing. Like they picked one aspect of her life and just totally blew it up and forgot all the rest. So family revealed that she was actually suffering from MS and desperately trying to cope with the reality of having a son with a severe mental illness and trying to find a new place to live that would best support him in a future without her. Oh man. Her ex-husband said of her, I was trying hard and she was trying far harder. So even he didn't blame her. Right. But there were so many people that did. The author of an interview with Peter Lanza said, All parenting involves choosing between the day, why have another argument at dinner, and the years. The child must learn to eat vegetables. Nancy's error seems to have been that she always focused on the day. And in the ceaseless quest to keep peace in the home, she shared with a hypersensitive, controlling, and increasingly hostile stranger who was her son. And we can all do that as parents, especially as a single parent. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's easier to just pick your battles. 
That's right. You're just trying to make it through the day. Yeah. Right. And you have to pick your battles. Absolutely. But those are all the people that Adam killed. There was no suicide note ever found. Adam took the reasons he committed this horrific act to his grave. Police and medical personnel would dig deep for the next several years trying to uncover what made this dirtbag do what he did. Adam's autopsy revealed no signs of drugs or obvious tumors or brain deformities. Based on his height and his weight at the time of his death, Adam was believed to have been anorexic and possibly to the point of neurological impairment. Okay. When police searched Adam's home immediately after the shooting, in addition to finding Nancy Lanza's body, they found journals and disturbing drawings. Three photos of dead people covered in plastic and possible blood, and handwritten notes with locations of various gun shops. There were numerous guns, three samurai swords, various other tactical knives, and over 4,000 rounds of ammunition scattered throughout the home. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Adam actually had a gun safe in his room, along with a military-style uniform. Who keeps a gun safe in their kid's room? Yeah, because how old was Adam at this time? He's 20. Okay. Yeah. But still... It's a little weird, right? To keep a gun safe, actually. Well, it's so excessive. Yeah. Even like, I don't know, is 4,000 rounds normal to have in your house? Well, it's interesting that you asked that because I was wondering the same thing. It sounds like a big number. But I don't know because I don't own a gun. So I asked a few people and it actually isn't that much. Okay. If you are somebody that goes to the shooting range, you buy ammunition in bulk. It's not uncommon to have thousands of rounds of ammunition in your house. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious about that. Yeah. So... I'm glad you asked people I who would ask know. around because <laughs> I don't shoot a gun. And so I didn't know either. It sounds like a lot. In reality, it's actually not yeah. that I get the, it's like the Costco mentality. That's right. You buy it in bulk and you save over time. Yeah. Adam had purposely destroyed his computer, smashing it into several pieces and scratching the hard drive. But police were still able to piece together several pieces of key information. They learned that Adam had been obsessively compiling a database of information on mass murderers. Adam had created a seven-foot by four-foot size spreadsheet listing over 500 mass murders and the weapons they used, all organized by the kill count of each shooter. (gasps) He was obsessed. He was completely obsessed. So this is where I think Nancy might have dropped the ball because he didn't create this list overnight. Yeah, that's definitely a red flag. So maybe if she had been a little bit more aware of his online activities, maybe she would have been more adamant about Adam taking medication or doing inpatient therapy. Maybe. Right. So if she would have known what was going on. But then again, he's 20. I was just going to say, like, I have a child in her 20s. And I don't monitor what she's looking at online or what she's doing. Yeah. And this is a mom that's probably experiencing burnout. Like thinking, okay, finally you're 20. Like I need to step back at some point. Right. And she's dealing with MS. She's dealing with a lot. And so I understand. But at the same time, I'm like, well, if the seven foot picture, you know, printed out of all that, that is a red flag. What's on his computer? I can understand why she wouldn't see that. So at the time of the shooting, Adam had been living as a recluse in the house with garbage bags placed over the windows of his room and very strict routines around his food, hygiene, and clothing. Despite these findings and years of research into his past medical and school records and lengthy interviews with family and close family friends, there has never been any concrete reason as to why Adam chose to ruin so many lives. And why did he choose an elementary school? You know, this wasn't even like getting back at kids that had, it wasn't like a revenge. No. You know, or like his peers. Like why choose these little babies? So they're just starting out in life and have done nothing to him. Yeah. There was one psychologist that had suggested that maybe he shot them at that time because that was when he was happiest in his life. 
But why rob them of that then? I know. And or maybe he wanted the 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 drama of it, you know, because if well, you're gonna do a school shooting, doing a K to four school. Or are they just easier targets? Because if he's compiling this huge list of... Yeah, they're not going to fight back. Like, physically aren't going to be able right. to overtake him. Where in or, a high school, some of the guys there might be able to. Yeah. So there's lots of different theories. But again, they couldn't really kind of conclusively tag it down to one thing or another. And I think it's important to remember that it isn't just limited to the ones that actually died. What about all those people that actually lived through this? The trauma that they experienced. Oh, yeah. The other people at the school, because yeah. they would have heard it all. They heard all it all. All the classrooms that he didn't make it to. All the families, the community. Yeah. And I think it's just one of those things that sometimes we don't recognize that there's so many far-reaching effects of somebody that chooses to murder somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. It just, and then it's expounded when there's this many at once. The whole town was in mourning. So I'm going to relate to you some of the the experiences by the survivors. And it really is the stuff of nightmares. Because I thought that it was important that their stories are told too, that it it isn't just the people that died. Right. Because they're all all victims. Yeah. Elementary students heard people begging Adam to spare them and people dying around them. The first classes to be evacuated after the police felt it was safe enough to do so, they were actually taken right past the dead body of their principal. (gasps) Because they were just trying to find the fastest route out of the school. And they probably didn't even know if Adam was by himself at that point. No. Like, they were just trying to get everybody to safety. The class, the grade two class, was told to keep their eyes shut with one hand on the person in front of them and just keep walking as quickly as you just can. make a train. Some of them open their eyes. I would have as a kid. I know that's my personality. I would have looked. Yeah. And some of them did and are still dealing with the nightmares. It would have been so awful to lose a family member that day, but my heart aches for all those families that now have to spend the rest of their lives trying to cope with the trauma. It just keeps coming back, right? Even when Mm -hmm. you think you've dealt with it, it'll just keep coming back. One of the teachers describes breaking down when she was trying to explain to a receptionist the next day about why she needed a prescription refilled, that she had actually forgotten her meds at the school when she fled. And so she was trying to call the next day and get a prescription refilled. And I thought, oh, it's those experiences that bring it really, really close to home. You have to deal with regular stuff the next day. Yeah, that's true. I've heard that before in people who have gone through trauma, Mm -hmm. that they have a hard time realizing that the world is just going on. You know, like they can be sitting in their car thinking, why are you all just doing what you're doing? Like, don't you know what just happened? Exactly. Because your world has just blown up. It's so difficult for the survivors to kind of go on from that. Those experiences make it seem more real to me. But not that I'm insinuating that it wasn't real. Because it was a real event that took place. Absolutely. Yeah. But there are conspiracy theorists out there that don't believe that that's the case. Well, I know where they can go in a (laughs) handbasket. The biggest theories are that the shooting was staged, complete with fake families and actors as an attempt to gain ground in the U.S. struggle to pass gun laws and restrictions. That's ludicrous. Isn't it crazy? Or another popular conspiracy theory is that, again, the whole shooting was staged in a very elaborate military law enforcement training scenario. No. That's some training budget, right? There's the door. Get out. That's what I would be saying. Like, seriously? These theories are out there so much so that actually the victim's families have taken them to court. 
Yeah. Yeah. To and try they and should. Get them to stop. Like, shut yeah. your dirty little mouth, you dirtbag. So crazy. Seriously. The conspiracy theories grew so much in popularity that the families of the victims were receiving calls from strangers telling them that they should be ashamed about lying about <gasps> this situation. Could you imagine? No. Yeah. And the harassment was so bad that actually a group of the victims' families filed a class action suit against one particular well-known conspiracy theorist from InfoWars. It was enough to get him to recant his false claims. That is just like the most cold-hearted thing. This family's life has been ripped apart. Yeah. And honestly, that is the worst thing that a family or a parent can go through. I couldn't imagine. The worst. What is worse than that? Having your child murdered like that? Nothing. And then to have to... Defend it? Defend it. And and try to prove it? Prank phone calls, just random, that it's not something you're expecting, just out of the blue. Again, it's being shoved in your face and people are telling you that you're lying about it. Nope. Do better, people. It's just so awful. Craziness. It infuriates me, actually. People are so brave when they're miles away sitting on their computer making these false accusations, not being in the community, seeing it happen, knowing these kids, knowing these people in the community. And who knows why these conspiracy theorists are coming up with these ideas or why they feel the need to kind of keep promoting it. So I was trying to think, like, if you were a conspiracy theorist, do you actually believe these things? Maybe is it like a whole lack of concrete reason why Adam chose to enter Sandy Hook that morning? Is it just easier to believe that it's all made up than to actually try and wrap your brain around something so tragic that can't be explained? Like Maybe. And so that's the story of Adam Lanza and how he killed 27 people and himself. It just does, it seems totally surreal to me. It's so crazy. Oh, man. I don't even know that this is one that we can even put out to our listeners. Like, tell us what you think. I think there's never one reason, right? No, I don't think so either. So extensive. I think it comes down to his mental health. Mental health or access to guns or... All of that. Like you said, low supervision. I don't know. All it was of that a perfect kind of storm. Yeah. It was really a perfect storm. And it's just an awful one. It's a senseless crime. So next week, Christy, you have to bring us a case that's maybe not such a downer. A murder that's not a downer. Can you do that? <laughs> um, well, I do have my next one picked out and there's only one victim. Oh, so at least it's goodness. a little better oh. that way. One victim, two dirtbags is my next one. Oh. But it actually also involves three teenagers at school. Oh, crazy. So another school one. Another, yeah. It doesn't happen at school, but yeah, yeah, classmates it involves. So that's it for this week. We always have fun hanging out with you guys and telling the story, even though it's a downer story. Yeah. Well, regardless of all that, we hope that you guys have a great week and we really appreciate you listening. We hope that you'll join us next week for my case. In the meantime, do feel free to go to our Facebook and our Instagram pages to let us know your thoughts and feelings about this. Do you agree with us that these conspirators are just dirt pegs or do you think they have some merit? And just so you know, in our episode descriptions, that's where you can find the link to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Or if you just go onto those platforms and type in buried motives, you should be able to find us that way. Correct. And if you haven't already hit the subscribe button to wherever you're listening to the podcast, click subscribe. <laughs> that way you won't miss our next episode. Thanks a lot. Have a good week. Bye. Bushmax. Ugh.
I am not a gun person. So I'm like, oh, I had to actually look up these guns and be like, what? Are, I wouldn't know either. What do they look like? <laughs> oh, who cares? Wait. <laughs> well, I don't know. You didn't finish. I don't know if I care or not. <laughs> I said it. I said it right, Christy. <laughs> Principal Dot. No, I did say it right. <laughs> Sorry. What is it with today? I am like sweating. Like, like oh, I can't talk about this. Oh, we were recording that whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't stop recording. Concrete risen. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> My brain is fried. Them in two burp. <laughs> what? <laughs> burp bags. <laughs> Go ahead and click. Go ahead and click. <laughs> Go ahead and click. <laughs> click. <laughs> I can't say it. Hey, we're live, pal, and we'd love for you to come check out our podcast, Tales from the Estate. Each week, we talk about our top five favorite somethings. My beautiful wife, Caitlin, likes to share all sorts of random facts. Yeah. Did you know that cows have accents? We did now. But we also review all sorts of snacks and other great things. And so if you love everything random, I think you'd enjoy Tales from the Estate. So come check us out. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Bye. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.